With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, overprohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello everybody and welcome to Heart and Hand Extra. My name's David Edgar, I'm your host and I'm joined this week for a bumper episode uh, by our, our regular pundit, Mr Alex Staff. Hello Alex. Hi David, how are you doing? I'm good, good Christmas. Yes, yes, a bit too much food, I guess that's supposed to be the plan, isn't it? Yeah, yeah I, I was guilty of that too. Um, far too much alcohol. Not guilty of that um, no. <laughs> these days, not guilty of that, but definitely yeah, I, I, I ate like a horse. My mum invented... Um, what I think might be the greatest thing ever. Well, she decided to make her own pigs and blankets because the ones that she saw in shops were too small and they were basically just sausages wrapped in bacon. And But you still got, like, four of them on your plate. I mean, <laughs> magnificent. That's a side thing, you know? Only at this time of year can you justify that, though. Uh, the, the rest of the year, you'd be like, nah, hang on a minute. But, uh, no, a, a wonderful thing. And, of course, uh, God bless the mums of the UK for overfeeding everybody. Yes. Um, lots lots and lots happening. Now, uh, since we've been away, and apologies to people, uh, a few people got in touch with us to say that there wasn't a show on Christmas Day. There wasn't. Um, we um, can't put out a show even if we wanted to, which, we, you know, <laughs> I wanted to give the boys a day off. Um, and there wasn't a show, but even if we had wanted to put one out, the playback staff are given time off as well because, you know, it's not Ebenezer Scrooge, it's in charge of them. So uh, my birthday and Christmas Day will remain sacred and there might not always be a free pod on those days. So I do apologise, but we're back. Uh, the large one today. So we'll touch on the Kilmarnock result, Alex. I think then it's... Um, it's important to, to touch on that. A deeply disappointing performance, especially after taking the lead. And, and really, not one of those games that you could come away with and say, well, we were maybe unlucky or a mistake's cost. I just thought the better team on the day won. Uh, and, and if anything, the score maybe flattered us. It did flatter us, yeah. Fodderingham's made you know, some good saves in that game to keep the score down. Um, we picked the wrong team. But we're going to come on, we're in great form going in there. Um, it was a hard pitch to try and play any sort of football on. We were out there with a 4-4-2. I 
left Emma Spearman in midfield, which always hurts us. Mm-hmm. But that Spearman was a quality player in Malumbu. He really is. Absolutely dominated the game. And that's the difference in the past. You know, we've seen guys like Ian Black when he was at Hearts look like a bit of a player because we've, you know, left the other team that spare man in midfield and he's got a bit of time and space, right? But it's Ian Black, he wasn't that great. But when it's a player as good as Malumbu is, it absolutely killed us. It killed us. And, uh, yeah, I think that Murray made plenty of mistakes there. The players made just as many on the park. And you're right, we got exactly what we deserved out of the Commando game. You're right, uh, but Malumbu, there are some guys who come up from England and they look like what they are, which is EPL players playing in a league of a lower standard. And he looked exactly like that. He looked bigger than everybody else. He looked physically far more comfortable. And he dominated the midfield physically in a fair way, which we'll come to when it comes to our next match. And he, he was by far the most impressive player in the part. Um, I, I'm interested because uh, I think everybody knows Alex. You're usually one of our more um, more upbeat posters on here. Not, not that that's always difficult with the, with the likes of somebody like Scott or Hoggy, but... Yeah. Um, You've, you said we picked the wrong team and I know that the, the, the man in midfield is a big bugbear of yours but um, what what expressly did you think going into it you like, nope, I don't like this Essentially I'm of the opinion now that a 4-4-2 is a counter-attacking formation um, at 4-4-2 with two wide players as we played that day um, is obviously there's a different style and a different approach to the diamond midfield that we, we had last night but in the, in the game against Kilmarnock Declan John on one side, Daniel Candace on the other, and a midfield two of McCrory and Hull. We were asking a 19 year old centre half and Jason Hull, who, you know, I love his energy, I love his desire, but he's a small guy. Then we've got Daniel Candace and Declan John. You know, if you took McCrory out of that midfield, the average height's about five foot three. Mm. And we're asking them to go out and dominate a game in Scotland on a plastic pitch when the weather wasn't that great. And it just felt to me like we needed someone else in that midfield sacrifice a forward now that would have probably had to amend moving Windass wide or, or whatever it might be but for the sake of the game get someone else in there if we want to be the team dominating getting our foot in the ball we need to play with enough players in midfield to do that if we want to be a team that sits and plays in the break yeah play a 4-4-2 but that's not he, he done neither he played a system which wasn't going to allow us to win the midfield and then didn't you know, set the team up to be good on the counter attacker, or, or sit in. He tried to dominate the game with not enough numbers in the middle to do it. Um, and not only that, I blame the players as well, uh, David, because you know somebody like Windass who can play a number of positions, and he does have ones that he's better in, but he can play a number of positions. He should be looking at that game 15, 20 minutes in and thinking, "We're in a bit of trouble here. I'm going to step back in the midfield yeah. for 15 minutes and try and help out." See if we can get our foot in the ball. Shouldn't have to come from the sidelines. A player on the park should be able to recognise. I've seen it plenty at amateur level, so surely professional level they're able to do it. A player should be able to recognise when the game's just not going their way. The manager doesn't have to be saying drop back in there. Just someone take a bit of responsibility, you know. And so, so on both sides, I thought that Marty got it wrong. I thought the players were poor, uh, and it was just one of those days. It was the fourth in my opinion, the fourth poor performance in a row and there just wasn't anything positive to take from it. No, there really wasn't because even when we got the goal, it was completely against the run of play and I think a lot of us, I was at the game and a lot of us in the stands were thinking going into half time, we're doing a Hibs here, you know, this is going to be a, a rerun of that where we weren't great but we've got the goal and we'll go on and win from here but if anything, the start of the second half got worse and Kelly battered us for the opening 
20 minutes and funnily enough I actually thought we'd maybe rode the storm out Wes as you say had made a couple of terrific stakes Kilmarnock had began to get a little bit frustrated and I think it was just starting to get into their heads that maybe it wasn't their day they hit the post as well and and it was right at that moment that we conceded the two goals and it was the old cliche maybe if we'd gone another five minutes you don't know but it's all ifs and buts and we didn't deserve it anyway so I'm not um, there's nothing worse as a supporter when you're standing there and it was a great crowd the away end was, was you know the banner was fantastic people were you know time of year and everything and then it, it was a decent day weather wise in terms of at least you were only getting pissed on and there's nothing worse when a support like that the performance erodes the enthusiasm throughout it and it starts off really high but it drip because we're all standing there going this is what is going to happen and then that happens and there's nothing more frustrating. And funnily enough, I thought, you know, to touch on your point about dropping back at midfield, the thing that we've criticised Kenny Miller for, deservedly quite a lot of the time, God, we really could have done with it that day to have a forward player that would have dropped in and just been an extra body and congested that midfield a little bit because Kilmarnock had so much space and they had Malumbu who just tidied everything up, got the ball and then gave it to guys to go and drive on. And they could do that safe in the knowledge that he was pretty much always going to to have that back door completely locked and be able to push them forward. And that confidence it gave them grew. And again, a couple of lapses. This week, I think we saw the, the whole Jekyll and Hyde of Danny Wilson, where I thought he was you know, really, really dozy. Um, and that that streak of doziness that I think stops him from being a really, a really, really decent defender. Um, followed up by an excellent display against Motherwell, which we'll come to. But but yeah, just one of those days where I think that you know we went in with nothing, we offered nothing, and we came away with nothing. Yeah, it, as, as you say, it's frustrating. Oh, there's nothing worse than sitting there. I, I'd be willing to bet that you had the conversation at halftime, and you would have heard many having the conversation at halftime about how a change was needed. Absolutely. You know, this isn't going our way. We need to change this up. We might be one now up, but we we need to change this. Because it's not going to last. Every every Rangers fan I knew, you know, and I was having conversations with various different types. Every single one of us was were saying, get get me, you know, look at let's bring maybe Barjonis on, kind of help out midfield, something, change something because the game clearly wasn't going our way, and it just felt like we were relying on luck, you know. People oh, yeah, might yeah. talk about people might talk about oh, you know, but. Windass has missed a great chance and if Morelos was more awake he could have made it 2-0 at one point it would have still been an absolutely lucky performance if we'd come away with even a point in that game mm. and you know that's to me that's that's a failing that's a failing for a manager if you know a manager can pick the right team and you know the result just doesn't go their way they can make the right substitutions and it's just a bit of bad, bad luck against them and you know I don't tend to judge on results alone I can you know try and look beyond that but the simple fact was in that game there was absolutely no doubt in anyone's mind that Rangers were the second best team on the park by a mile and needed to come up with something different and he didn't even contemplate a substitution until we went 2-1 down and that was a failing you know that was an absolute failing in Marty's part and you know a lot of people jumped straight away got to blame the board for putting him in this position he's Rangers manager now he, he gets judged the same as every Rangers manager before him um, in my opinion he has to um, That's probably the harshest criticism I think I've ever heard you offer a Rangers wrestler. And it's great. Poor little Graham Marty with his nice new swept over hairdo. 
I get that. It's more actually a criticism of those who think he should be immune to it. No, you're absolutely yeah. right. Look, at the end of the day, he wanted this job. He's asked for it, um, and he's got it, and it's an opportunity. And let's take a wee step back from look. All the stuff's valid, right? All the stuff is valid about Graham Murray's appointment. Um, about the board's failings and whatnot, but this is an opportunity of a lifetime for him to be able to go from being an under twenties coach, which was a big opportunity anyway, but to go from being an under twenties coach at Rangers to the manager of Rangers and have the opportunity to make that permanent. A guy with his CV, Alex, isn't getting that opportunity if things are going really well. So yeah, he does. He, you know, this is his audition, and we can't go. Well, you know, you're immune from criticism because things aren't perfect. If they were perfect, he wouldn't be anywhere near the job. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, you know, to turn around and say, oh, the board should never have gave him it, that's the exact same thing you would have said about Kashinia. The board should never have gave Kashinia the job, given the options that were available at the time. You know, history's proven that to be the case. But Kashinia wasn't immune from criticism if we didn't do well. No. In fact, they got more than most managers have ever got at Rangers, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if, if that's the case, if, if you held that opinion, if you if you believed that Kashinia was the reason why we didn't do well at the start of the season, and you have to hold money to the same standard, in my opinion. You know, that's just just how I feel about that. So, yes, it does sound a bit harsh. And I do like Graham Murray as a person, and obviously I hope he succeeds. But, uh, I, I, you know, I don't think we can just go, oh, this is all the board's fault, because, you know, the guy's in there now and he deserves to be judged as such. Moving on then to Wednesday night, Rangers welcomed <laughs> welcomed Motherwell <laughs> to our home, um, where they proceeded to... Um, Attempt to boot fuck out of family members and won the match 2 0. Uh, the first half was pretty forgettable from a football point of view. Rangers struggled to get much going. Motherwell's overt physicality, which will come to um, very much to the fore, and it saw Ryan Jack being carried off the pitch um, after a, a kind of nasty looking challenge from Cedric Kipri, who then followed it up by um, kicking Eduardo Herrera in the mouth. Um, and busting busting his mouth Um, Rangers couldn't get a rhythm going and a lot of people were critical at the match of the defenders passing the ball between them but I actually would having watched the game back Alex have a little bit of sympathy for the defenders because there was nobody to hit the movement wasn't there second half um, things changed Rangers did improve after the break We, we also stopped conceding chances Motherwell ceased to be a danger the back four uh, to be fair, were decent the whole game, but really in the second half, bossed it. Um, Jamie Barjonas, who'd came on for uh, Ryan Jack, added. I thought he had his best game in a blue jersey so far, um, adding a lot of dynamism and clever uh, composure. Actually, is the word Alex I would use composure. Yeah. We, we got the goal from a, a superb strike from birthday boy Danny Wilson, and then rather than a um, playing out the way we maybe worried of of us sort of trying to sit and hold on to a lead, we we tested the keeper. He kept them in it, I thought, in the second half before Alfredo Morelos got his uh, fourth goal in five matches to take us to, to a fairly comfortable 2-0 victory. Lots to talk about in this match, Alex. First of all, the selection. We saw the return of Nico Cranchar. Uh, I thought he was OK. I thought he did all right. Um, wasn't great, but he wasn't awful either. Um, but we saw the, the return of Eduardo Herrera. Now, to me, I think that this is... Because these are guys that Graham Murty has had available to him the whole time and really has seemed reluctant to, to pitch in. Um, apart from, in the case of Herrera, a, a few minutes here and there at, at firefighting. Um, is this indicative of we really are now down to the bare bones and you simply, as a manager, do not have the option to ignore players that if they are fit and available and of a, a requisite experience level, they, they have to be considered now? 
Yeah, the Windass suspension is the reason Herrera played. Um, you know, if Windass was available and we'd went with the same formation, Windass would have started in his place. Um, the Cranchard one's a bit more interesting simply because it seems as though Carlos Pena was available. He's been selected ahead of him before um, and, you know, he done all, done well in the two Aberdeen games. Wasn't so great in the first half against Ross County like the entire team um, and hasn't really been seen since. So, <laughs> It was a, it was interesting that it was Cranchard that was put in. What I will say though, um, which which may actually have been the reason for his selection, I thought Cranchard was okay last night overall. You know, as you say, not great, but fine. Some cracking passes, and you know, he's got a very good attacking intent. As much as a lot of it doesn't come off, he puts us on the front foot. But he was in the ear of the referee. He was at one point. I am convinced he told the Motherwell manager to shut his mouth. <laughs> um, you know, there was a little bit of an altercation between those two. Yes, he did. Um, he, he, he did. He told, he told the Motherwell manager to shut up. Yes, and and stood uh, up to him. He didn't do it and walked away. He stood there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He stood there and had a conversation with him. And then, you know, he was in the referee's ear. He was in, you know, in the faces of the Motherwell players a little bit. There was a side to Cranjal that I didn't know he had. I loved I just it. Wonder if. Uh, yeah, we needed it last night mm-hmm. because that game was to be won. You know, it was a battle. It was always going to be a battle, and we needed players who. We're going to be a little bit nasty last night, um, and, and he seemed to be up for that far more than I realised he was ever capable of. He gave a bit um, back, Alex. Honestly, watch the game, but he gave a bit back. He was one of the the players that didn't. Um, I wouldn't say shrink because the, the the fact that they've gone on and performed the way they have in the second half shows that they didn't shrink under the pressure the way they did it. For instance, Hamden. But he, the whole game, he wasn't taking any other shit, and uh, I hope that a few of them carry that attitude it's the old thing Alex see if we could have had this guy five years ago but of course we couldn't have yeah. for various reasons but um, at the moment his brain is is telling his body to do things the correct things but his body can't always do it and it is really unfortunate to watch but I agree with you I thought his attitude last night was spot on and badly needed yeah yeah it was just that bit of leadership that you know we've lacked since probably the two Aberdeen games mm. you know as I say we've we've kind of I don't, uh, even last night wasn't a great performance but the second half was better than, than a lot of people maybe gave it credit for and it's interesting that you note that as well when you've rewatched it um, without you know the emotion and the, the dragging down um, of everyone around you in the stands that, um, that yeah I, I thought the second half was, was actually decent you know um, but yeah, he just he just brought that bit of leadership in you could see him cajoling people he was Consistently get up to the likes of Herrera and trying to keep his head up when things weren't coming off, and you know it just made a big difference um, because we've we've asked without Kenny Miller, without Graham Dawes, without Lee Wallace, and then Ryan Jack is off injured. There's not many, not many you expect to step up in that squad right now. So it was just it was good to see a different side to Cranshaw that way. Um, and you know, yeah, you could complain about oh he didn't go in every fifty fifty or. You know, always giving the ball away quite a bit. That's just the way he is. You know, mm-hmm. he tries things. He's not, he's not a hard physical player, but he certainly had an edge to his game last night that was uh, was welcome. Yeah, I think they annoyed him. I really do. I think that they they, they pissed him off, and and then rather than shrink from it, he he kind of rose the way you would hope a guy of his stature in the game would. Although because of the type of player he is, we we may have. Um, thought, oh well, he'll probably, you know, if he can't get to do what he does. But he was quite happy to stand up to them, and, and it was good to see because, you know, we'll, we'll come to this in a wee second, Motherwell's, Motherwell's tactics. But um, one of the things that 
I, I, I thought watching the game back, now I thought this last night, and I mentioned this on our Patreon site and on Twitter, and, and a few people disagreed with me, but I thought last night was the best, the second half, first half wasn't good. Right, it wasn't. Um, the second half was the best Rangers have played in week. Um, you'd probably be going back to the Aberdeen game for me, um, the Aberdeen game at Pataudry was the best Rangers have played because it's the first in a long time that they've controlled a match, haven't looked like conceding at all um, the match was played at the tempo that we dictated and we bossed the match, we made chances, we forced their keeper to make a save I understand people's frustration because they're watching a lot of subpar performances almost week after week and then to improve from rotten to decent some people will still say well it's still rubbish and I do get that I understand that but then you also have to balance it out with well what do you expect from this squad of players shorn of the players that we are and missing the players that we're missing that if you look at that 11 I would suggest that currently, given their levels of confidence, the off-field issues, the fact we lost yet another player last night, that second-half performance was currently about as much as you can ask for from them. And if you're expecting them to suddenly leap from the levels they've been at to be knocking the ball about and you know playing excellent stuff and making chance after chance, I think that's maybe a wee bit unrealistic. I think it's very unrealistic, personally. Um... And you know we've had this discussion um, in various <laughs> various times as well. Um, sometimes I, you know, I'll be accused of being a bit too um, forgiving. Yes, yes, that's <laughs> a perfect word. Yeah, a bit too forgiving of it. But I think you're right. I think you know when you look at all the injuries, and it's not just you know it's not just injuries. It's, it's key players mm-hmm. as well. You know, Graham Dorans. People seem to. Not, you know, some people think he didn't offer very much, but if you look back to the away games we played in our away record, every away game Graham Dorans was easily one of the best players in the park. Every single time. He just never really had a great game at Ibrox, and I think that's why a lot of fans never really took to him yet, you know. Um but he was brilliant. I mean, he's out he's out for ages. Kenny Miller, you know, performance wise might not be great, but there's no doubt about his influence. Lee Wallace is our captain, out. Bruno Alves has been in and out of the side. Ryan Jack suspension injured last night. Just a hell of a lot of players who are capable of taking responsibility and do have a little bit of ability as well out of the squad and we're having to rely on, you know, last night we had two teenagers in midfield for the second half. Um, it's not surprising the first half was rubbish either, considering the amount of stoppages. We let Mother Wells game drag us into, you know, something a bit kind of slow and torturous at times actually um, we should still have scored in the first half though missed a couple of great chances Morelos one in particular mm. um, just after all save from Cranchar so you know it was no surprise that the first half was rubbish when you've got four injuries and it's had to have eight minutes of injury time you know Absolutely. Four, four moments of the game stopping so you can see why that wasn't very enjoyable but um, I actually think you're right I think the second half is the best we've played since the Aberdeen games um, and you know was actually some moments of really good football from players who, as you say, somewhat limited, and then you had guys like Cranchar and Herrera on the pitch who've barely kicked a ball in weeks. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it was uh, Murray's done something right at half time in terms of you know getting a little bit more out of him. I think it's really he owes a wee debt of gratitude to um, Jamie Barjonas, whose performance was not only very good for for himself, you know, for what he was asked to do, but I think he then almost g'd up Jason Holt and. 
Holt began to, if you like, support uh, take a supporting role to Jamie Barjonas in terms of, okay, you go forward and add the dynamism and I'll be neat and tidy and mop up and make sure that the scraps are dealt with. And it worked. It worked in tandem because Motherwell are a very scrappy side. They feed off that sort of thing. They look for um, confrontation and in the sort of ensuing confusion try to make something happen. Speaking of which, we do have to touch on it. Now, Motherwell have developed this reputation um, for being a, a, a very physical side. Uh, I would say an overly physical side because we watched, uh, we, we spoke about this at the start, we watched Rangers be physically dominated um, by a player at the weekend and every Rangers fan I know uh, at the game, coming out, yourself, all the guys I talked to was like, oh Malumbu, he was great, wish we had a player like that. We admire strength, Alex. We always have, you know. We like our, sinky, our silky footballers, but look at some of our heroes through the years. You know, your John Browns, Ian Ferguson's, John Griggs. They could all play a bit, but we also admired that they had that winning attitude, that physical, combative nature. We like that in a player. And when we see it, we admire it. And we saw it on Saturday and we admitted, you know, he was he did what we would like our team to do better than we did. It's not that Rangers fans hold a fanny and go, oh, you can't tackle us. We don't think that at all. And teams will come to Ibrox and try and play and a physical, uh, get in their faces way. I've seen it often, you've seen it often, we've all seen it often, right? It's nothing new. Motherwell cross the line continually. And for me, they cross the line too often to be unlucky. Not just against us, incidentally. Uh, that, that should be said. We're not the only team who's had this complaint and I think was was judged by the number of comments on social media from non-Rangers fans who were saying obviously like to see us lose or whatever but they were still saying but Motherwell are a team of clogging dirty bastards and I wonder if sometimes things can become almost a, a self-fulfilling prophecy with them that they've been labelled a physical team and that they've decided they'll embrace it but the backs have gone up against the wall and they've said, oh, you think we're physical? We'll show you. This is physical. But players are coming off the park injured against Motherwell far more regularly than they do against other teams and far more regularly than you would think that is statistically probable in terms of accident. It's the old cliche, Alex, you know, oh, he's not that type of player. Motherwell players are that type of player. And we saw that last night with the Kipri tackle where... You can talk about intent or whatever, um, but the fact is, is it's reckless and it's potentially going to injure somebody. They do that a lot. Then seconds after he's done that, when you think he would be kind of watching for it, he boots Herrera full in the face. There's, there's a, a there's a, a, a kind of time where you need to be physical and stand up and make sure you win your challenges. And then there's just chucking yourself in with abandon, not giving a fig for the safety of the opponent and... More importantly, as we saw from Bowman's comments before the game, not caring about the consequences, not accepting responsibility for the consequences. And that recklessness is putting people out of the game for a bit. And I, I find that disgraceful. Is, yes, I agree. There's a culture there. There's a definite plan, you know. And that's obviously coming from their manager, Stephen Robinson. You know, he's, he's obviously told them to be overly physical. Um I remember after the semi-final, you talk about Rangers fans admiring strength. I sometimes think we admire it too much over ability. Um, 
you know, as a whole, as a, as a kind of general um, view, obviously, you know, there's individualistic views among supporters, but I think, you know, generally, I think sometimes we admire that a bit too much. Uh, and I remember a lot of Rangers fans after the, the semi-final saying, oh, Motherwell just bullied us. That wasn't, what Bruno Alves said after the game was spot on, that wasn't a team, a football team bullying you. That was tactics well beyond anything that should be allowed in the game. Well beyond. Not even just a little bit, well beyond. And last night they carried that on as well. Um, so that, as you say, I've heard other fans, um, you know, I've got, got some pals, Partick Thistle fans, Celtic fans, who've all said the same about them. So it's not just us that we're doing it to. Um, so, so yeah, it's, it's definitely a culture thing. I'm not convinced that Kipri meant to hurt Ryan Jack in that incident, but he certainly went in with an intent to, to go in hard because that's what he's told to do and that's the style of player he is and that's why he gets a game for Motherwell. Um, and as you say, the fact that mere minutes later, seconds really, if you consider playing time, oh, yeah, how long seconds. Jack was on the ground for. Mm. Um, it was really the next passage of play. Yeah, the very next passage of play, he has no issues at all in thinking, I'll just rattle this guy in front of me uh, now, you know, because I never got a booking for that one, so let's see what happens here. Yeah. Um, when your foot goes above shoulder height, don't tell me ever that you're not aware that you could be, when, especially when you see the guy in front of you, as he's running in to head the ball, and you're yeah. running in with your foot at that height, don't tell me that you don't know there's a possibility you're going to get the guy. Um, yeah. And if you're doing it, you know, you're doing it with the intent of, Sure, I'm going to win the ball, but if I smash him in the face as well, tough titty. And it, like I say, it just happens too often, Alex. It can't always be bad luck. It can't always be coincidence. Every team is going to have matches where an opposition player gets injured. Every team is going to have you know times where a tackle goes awry and it happens for them and it happens against them. It just happens a hell of a lot when Motherwell are playing. And I, I would just take it from the idea, if I was a professional footballer and I was going to be playing Motherwell then I would be saying beforehand to the referee, look, your job is to make sure that this is as safe as it can be. Contact sport and shit happens, right? It's not Bali. But, you know, I'd like to think that you're not going to allow them to take it to the level where every tackle for me is a lottery as to whether or not I'm playing for the next four months. Yeah, um, this is where... (laughs) This was a major conversation that we had last night, I guess. Um with regards to how we should get referees to be a bit more protective of our players there's no way John Beaton went into that match last night not full in the knowledge that Motherwell were going to approach the game like that you know he knew that he absolutely knew that well everybody um, did I mean you're right everybody knew, that. everybody knew everybody talked about it before the game came away from as you say I mean even even if you take back way back to Pedro Cuxinha when he spoke about and was very open about the fact that when he watched teams they were never as physical against other sides as they would be against Rangers and it, you know to me that was because we're seen as a bit of a soft touch and that's how you beat us um, you know that's the way a lot of teams figured they could beat us at the start of the season um, so you know everybody knows this This is coming and they, and they know Rangers the away team at Ibrox it's, it's, it's a bit more likely than, than it is you know and other scenarios as well. So you take what's already a pretty high baseline with Motherwell, add that factor to it as well. John Beaton knew what was coming in this game. To blame Rangers for him not doing more, or to blame our players for him not doing his job, to me, is unfair. Because he knew 
he didn't need to be reminded. He didn't need to be told. If he did need to be reminded and did need to be told, then he's an even bigger idiot than we think he is. Mm. You know, I don't uh, think John Beaton's a professional calibre referee. Now, there'll be people listening that will say, oh, he's a cheat. And listen, I understand where you're coming from. I, I tend to, naively, I tend to always want to believe that referees are on the level because otherwise, you know, what's the point? You might as well shut up, shut up and go home. And I don't think guys go through all that effort to become referees just to just to screw with us. Well, a younger part, obviously. But um, in Beaton's case, he, he does test the theory a little bit um, <laughs> because there are decisions that happen in front of him so obvious that the only other explanation is here you have a very weak guy in a job that requires a hell of a lot of strength. You have a guy who makes decisions, I think, that are heavily influenced by the crowd, the match he's refereeing, the situation he finds himself in at that moment, things that have gone on in the last five minutes, all the things that referees are told, or we're told, that referees shouldn't do. And I think that the reason that you get so many calls about John Beaton refereeing is that he's not up to the standard of refereeing in that league, and it's quite clear. And unfortunately, we are in a position in this country where referees because of the abuse they get and that's a cultural thing it's not unique to this country it's not going to change again we go back to almost the argument we were talking about with Graham Murray that well you wanted to do this right and you know what's coming John Beaton should not be allowed to referee football matches in Scotland but because he is a referee and the SFA have backed him to this level he will continue till he retires because that's what happens they don't ever take a referee and say look this is not your your level, you're not of the standard required. You could say that he's 36 and maybe he could go and do a couple of years in the lower divisions and improve and come back a more confident individual. I would argue if you're 36, you probably should be at least as mentally developed. You know, you can become more skilled, but I would say that you, if it's a case of, of a personal weakness in terms of personality, then then you, you're not going to change. But this guy, Alex, shouldn't be allowed anywhere near any SPFL top division game because he, he simply doesn't have the skill set to do that. He doesn't, no. Um, and again, this isn't just coming from Rangers fans. No, you know, no I've heard this not. from elsewhere as well. In other games that he's refereed with other teams um, who, you know, no, there's no fans in Scottish football of any confidence in that guy. You know, not even to the extent of finding him kind of funny you know, oh, excellent beating referee in this one. He gives us this decision or that decision. Every fan thinks he's terrible. Um, and that says something, you know. Uh, well, you know, as much as we don't know the, the, the job of the referee when we don't do it for most of us, um, if, if everybody thinks he's terrible, that, that says quite a bit. Mm. I, I think we should be slightly wary. I'm with you on the, on the idea of maybe there is development to come from him. You know, 36 of the referees still... You know, he's still got a bit of time there, but that development shouldn't be happening in these games. It's too high profile for him. Um, you know, he's getting too much criticism, and that's not going to, you know, the way of it is not going to work. If, if there is potential for him to become a good referee, I certainly can't see that, but if there is, um, it, it, you're right, it has to be taken out of the limelight a little bit and, and kind of bumped down the leagues. But we shouldn't forget that this is a refereeing team. You know, he's got two assistants on the line. He's got a fourth official. We've seen fourth officials get involved in games this season. We've certainly seen assistant referees making decisions. It feels to me as though whenever John Beaton's refereeing, and it could be a directive from him, nobody seems to support him. 
Well, that I was going to say to you last night, a case in point that I can think off the top of my head, and I get well actually, I'm cheating a bit there because as I say, I've watched the game back, so it's fresh in my mind. I can think of at least six occasions where he's directly overruled um, a linesman. Can't speak to a fourth official; I didn't see anything like that. But yeah. at least six, probably more. Um, if anyone's going back and watching it, you can let me know. Um, I, I I can think off the top of my head of six decisions a linesman's given that he's overruled. Well, from further away, uh, one in particular, there's a free kick he gives. He's 30 yards away in the centre circle through a, a flank of players. He's looking through this at this incident. The linesman who's standing there it can't be more, cannot be more than two yards away from the incident, looking right at it with no bodies in front of him, has given one thing and John Beaton has overruled him. That is just, there's no common sense at all to that. And as a linesman, incidentally, you're saying if it's part of the team, I'd be fucking raging. I'd be thinking, why am I here? Like, you know, I tell you what, I'll just stand up here and look for offsides, right? I'm not going to bother running back. There's no fucking point. Um, and you just get on with it because it must be soul destroying, especially when you know he's just made the wrong decision. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it could be that. It could even be as simple as that, I suppose, where, you know, even, even his fellow referees don't have confidence in him. Um, to the extent where, as you say, they just go, you can deal with. It. I'm not. I'm not taking the flag. Um, it's all on you. It just, you know, I, I just find that you know we're quite often prone to just blaming, you know, the man in the middle of the pitch. And I get why, and it is ultimately down to them. But you know, we should always just be a little bit aware. It's a refereeing team, and I thought last night, beaten was better than he was in the Hibs game. Well, let's be honest, that wouldn't be difficult. No, no. <laughs> you know what I mean? He could really. He could have. Not whistled once last night, and they still had a better night than the, the Hibs game. Correct. But um, he was still poor. He didn't manage the game correctly. And ultimately, to me, it didn't matter if we were in his face. It wouldn't have mattered if Graham Murray had said something before the game. John Bean would have had a poor match last night, regardless. Motherwell would have got away with things, regardless. And I just think that, you know, unfortunately, Rangers are in a position where anything we say or do regarding referees because we are Rangers is just it's ignored we're not giving a fair crack of the whip there no we're not and we are refereed to a different standard no matter you know the people can say oh you've been paranoid whatever but look there's no way to prove it of course but I think we all have a suspicion that had that Ryan Jack incident happened exactly as it happened the other way round that there would have been more repercussions than there were I think I'm pretty comfortable saying that and I certainly believe it. I think so, yeah. I think, you know, even if even if we're, we're being charitable, I mean, at the game, I was at the game and I'm sitting where I sit a, a good distance away from that. So I, I, I was kind of following the ball and I didn't see it. You know, I, I knew he'd kind of hurt himself in a challenge, but I didn't realise just how bad it was until, you know, seeing seeing pictures afterwards. Um, so, so even if I've been charitable and thinking, OK, he's, he's maybe just missed that as he's been... Kind of, you know, caught up in the action. Had it been the other way around, even if he'd missed it, we certainly wouldn't be sitting here wondering if the, the compliance officer's going to bring it up. No, it would already, would already have been cited. Um, you know, it, it, it's that, it's that way where, you know, we're definitely held to a different standard. That's not an illogical or a rational view. We can sit there and list here's a here's the decisions we've benefited, benefited from this season. Here's the ones that have shafted us, and I guarantee you that second list is much, much longer. 
Alex, I know you, you feel, and you, you mentioned there, that you can't really do anything about when, when fans say we should be putting more pressure on referees and whatnot and trying to guide the, the, the narrative in, in the media. And while I, I, can, I, I do understand what you're saying there, I think last night, there's a case in point, had that been a Ryan Jack tackle on one of our players, right, eh, on one of their players, the rest of the Motherwell team would have bolted to the referee, their fans would have been in uproar, their bench would have been in uproar, they would have created a situation that may have had an influence on the decision. And I think we've seen that this season where it's happened to us, where that kind of thing has, if you like, in the split second when a referee is making up his mind, has prompted the action to go one way or the other. And that is, I think, where Rangers fans get a bit frustrated, that our guys do tend to go... The ref will make his own decision. We'll play fair by it. And I, I, I have to say, I think in an incident like that, those kind of things, you might not like them, and I understand that, and I think we all go back to the famous Man United Andy Durso thing that it can look appalling at times. But I do think there's an argument that says it works. I'm not sure. Um, I think, firstly... Well, you know, a, a, a slight spoiler, a potential spoiler. You know, we've spoken about this as a kind of debate on in, in, for one of the Patreon pods. So, I'm, you know, given the side that I would be on, um, I'm slightly shooting my load early here. But <laughs> I think, I think that one of the issues with this argument is that, from philosophical terms, it begs the question. And, and what I mean by that is, it assumes the truth of its of the argument to justify the argument. It assumes that putting pressure on referees through press conferences, through getting in their face, works, so we need to do it more because that's how we'll do it. You know, it's like, it's, it's almost circular argue, argument in many ways. Right, okay. Yeah, I I'm, see I'm, that. I'm not convinced, personally, that when it comes to Rangers, it's as simple as that because we made, you know, we've had Kishinia come out when he was manager, talk about how teams are more aggressive against us. He spoke about some of the decisions against us. It done nothing. We had an entire statement about the compliance officer, which made completely valid points that every single team in Scotland should have been jumping on. That was a chance right there. Rangers had led the charge. There you go, bang. There you go, guys. Come and join us. We can get this thing reviewed because it's affecting everybody. Nobody's getting a fair crack in the whip with this compliance officer thing. But because Rangers said it, it's sour grapes and ignored. I just feel as though... Because it's us, I know this sounds, you know, a bit kind of tinfoil hat, but because it's us and well, just the, the the position we've got in Scottish football, not just amongst, you know, not just from other fans, but you know, there's definitely something in the officials as well that when we say it, it just gets our backs up and makes things a bit more difficult for us. Whereas others are able to say it and it's not taken in the same way. It's not twisted by the media in the same way. If if I I thought everything was fair and, you know, we would get the same reaction as everybody else gets, I would be all for a bit more pressure and highlighting, you know, refereeing errors and and saying, look, we feel as though this isn't, you know, we are being held to a different standard. But the very fact we're being held to a different standard is because of who we are and how people feel about us. And I don't feel as though that tactic would work for us as well as it does for others. Okay, but I, and I take your point about it being a kind of circular argument, but coming at it from a different angle, if we accept that, and I think we both do accept that Rangers are held to a different standard, we know that what we currently do doesn't 
have any impact. So the argument would be the stuff that people are suggesting to do has got to be worth a try because at worst, then all that's going to happen is the situation is going to remain unchanged. So in other words, it's more a case of we've been doing what we do and it doesn't work. Why don't we try this and see if it has any effect as opposed to not trying anything and just accepting it? Yeah, okay. You know, I'll accept the fact that, you know, just sanding back and doing nothing feels rather defeatist. I completely accept that. What, where, I, where I think I differ from yourself is what you're saying, at worst, things will just continue as they are. I actually think at worst will make it worse. I actually think there's a good chance, just because of who we are and, and you know that way around, that if we come out and be rather vocal about referees, about officiating in this country, all we'll do is just annoy them and they'll get even worse towards us. Um, than we are. <laughs> That's a fucking thought. Oh, I man. genuinely believe. No, that. No, no, I'm just, I'm just, I'm trying to picture what that would look like, though, and it's like. Yeah, yeah. I know what you mean, but I think that's, you know, again, I, you know, I do know that, you know, from the outside, this can sound all a bit nuts, but I, I, I do think that, you know, at the worst, there is a possibility that we could actually just piss them off even more and make things even more difficult for ourselves. We certainly don't have. Anybody from a public standpoint, you know, our PR could be perfect on this, but it would just be drowned out by the noise of everybody else saying that we're just, you know, being typical Rangers and moaning about stuff. We'd just get every decision we've ever had going for is flung in our face um, instead of people analysing the ones that we're actually talking about. Uh, I'm just concerned that it would actually, all we, all we would, because it's us, that we're just the wrong face for this, you know? Um, because because we're Rangers and, and, and I just think that you know if, if, if I agreed if, if, if I agreed it wasn't going to make things any worse then yes I would fully agree we should be doing it because then at least we're doing something um, and we've done all we can and it's up to them I just I just worry that you know us doing what people are suggesting would just actually exacerbate the situation to Saturday then, and we travel to the Fortress of Doom to take on our uh, separated brethren from across the city. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be a very, very tough match. There's no point us sitting here trying to pretend that Rangers are going to go there and start as favourites, because we're not. Uh, obviously, Graham Murray's high point as manager came by, by securing that draw at Parkhead last season. And I think that's something that... Um, certainly raised his, uh, if you like, both his profile and the, the level of fondness that the Rangers fans had him. Uh, we could really do with picking up something just for our own confidence before the winter break kicks in. In terms of injuries, Graham Dorans is still out, apparently he's, he's now out of his cast but still on crutches. Lee Wallace, according to Graham Murtaigh's presser today, will not feature um, on Saturday, contrary to some press rumours. I think we all thought, Alex, you know, when he didn't play last night, that 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 was a long shot because yeah. hell of a game to pitch him into. He said that Ryan Jack is sore, but he hasn't ruled him out. I'll be honest and say that if there's any risk with him, don't play him because my worry when I saw him crumpled in the heap last night was that's that's a ligament that's nine months. Uh, that yeah, you know, in the way he went off on the stretcher, um, where he just looked heartbroken. I thought, oh no, that this is he's been done there, and and that's him out for a long time. So we've got Josh Windars back. Apart from that, there's not really a lot of players, with the exception of the guys who featured at some stage last night, who are available to us. Tactically, I think that we've got to go there and 
we've touched on it already today, Rangers don't thrive when they lose the midfield battle in terms of bodies. I think we should be going looking at a 4-5-1. I think our first instinct is to be to try and keep the game controlled, try and keep it away from our goal, try and make sure that at worst it's fought in the middle and obviously try and use the pace up front, which we do have, to try and hit them on the break. That may sound overly simplistic and I accept that, um, but I think you've got to be realistic and say that it's a confident side we're playing who expect to beat us in their own ground and we've got to be tactically very clever and everyone has to match up to their opponent, win their duel or at least make sure they don't lose it you know, come up, come away with a draw and not make stupid errors, which has cost us so often in these games. All sounds good to me. <laughs> oh, on theory, um, the theory's magic. <laughs> it's the practice that I'm concerned yeah. about. No, I get that. Um, this is one of those games where I'm, I'm, I'm somewhat. It, I, I think I would just take this game in isolation. You know, um, the last five matches, as I said, as we said, since since the Aberdeen game. You can only really point to the second half of last night and say, you know, we played well there, but everything else was is, it hasn't been good. Um, you can point to various reasons for that, but it's not been good. So I, I take this game in isolation, and I mean that whether we play well or not. Graham Murray could pick the right team, set out with the right tactics. That team could give 100% and we could still get scalped, mm. given how many players were getting in there with, without the, the the injury situation and the fact that you know if Celtic show up even at our best they're, they're still a good bit better than is at the moment uh, so uh, you know I want to take this one in isolation the only positives I can find David um, personally get into it are that um, in Graham Murray's first spell in charge he had a couple of poor defeats he had a scrappy win against St Johnson and a left footed defender who was in a bit of scoring form managed to to get an equalising goal for him when we went to went to that place. So, you know, maybe history is said to repeat itself and Danny Wilson uh, is going to grab us a point. But in all honesty, you're right, we really need a result, but we cannot expect one, surely. No, surely no Rangers fan out there outside of blind hope could be expecting something on Saturday because... You know, just the sheer injury list alone makes it a hell of a task. Mm. I think for me that the the reason that Rangers fans have cause to worry is that in these matches Celtic show up expecting to win and sometimes I feel Rangers show up expecting Celtic to win. And that was probably the best thing about that match that we're talking about last season where certainly in the last Rangers grew in confidence the longer it went on and in the last half hour even a goal down the belief surged through that side that they could get something and they went on and got something and it was novel because it was the first time in a long time and we haven't seen it since when we played against Celtic where the team ended a match on the up and going no come on right we're up for this this is going to be a battle for you and Celtic didn't respond to it at all and the Rangers players grew into that match however we've seen other games and I'll go back to the the first league game this season when we lost 2-0 to them that as soon as Celtic scored it kind of looked like Rangers players went we knew something bad was going to happen and boom there it is and it's that kind of if you like mentality of I hope we get something but we probably won't if the players have that I, there's there's no chance because Celtic go into this thinking we're going to win this and you have to do something that pierces that belief and then try and swarm through the gap it may take a bit of luck 
Um, oh, we'll take a bit of luck, know, definitely. If we get, get any, yeah. if we're going to get us, it would take some luck. But I mean, to get that belief might take a bit of luck in terms of you know just something, anything, a Craig Gordon howler um, that leads to a goal or, or something like that. You know, um, we go one 0 up, and then suddenly the players start to think, well, hold on a minute. You know, that that might be what's required to get a bit more belief out of them. Um, I'm interested with. With the team that you're talking about there, I'm curious if Ryan Jack's out and you're looking to play four five one, what's your midfield three? I think for me that you've got Barjonis, McCrory and Holt would probably be my three. So, you know, it's fair to say out of those three, McCrory's your, your physical presence and as much as you'll get good effort out of Holt and Barjonis are not, you know, physical players as such. So, but it's all very functional. I like Burjonis, and you spoke about him, I never really spoke about him earlier. I think he's actually quite like Ryan Jack in his style of play. He's very composed in the ball, and he, you know, he picks good passes. He's, he tries to go forward a lot. Even, you know, even as Jack's deemed a defensive midfielder, if you look at his passing, most of it is, you know, forward. But I, I don't think any of those three would be deemed, you know, a creative player, somebody who's Going to, no, um, I understand that, but I think in the first instance, it's locking the back door and putting in a shift first, and then yeah. see where you are as it goes on. Um, because I think then if you're looking at leaving one of those three out, and I think that McCrory and Holt are certs, um, so then it comes down to Barjonis, do you then go with a Nico? I think the game's just too frenetic for him. I think he'll get lost in the opening shuffle, unfortunately. Then it's Pena. Now, Pena has his qualities, but although he's a creative player, you are sacrificing a lot at a crucial stage of the match. I'm not saying he doesn't have a part to play in the match, incidentally, but you're sacrificing a lot at a fairly crazy stage of the match in terms of you know bodies are flying and tackles are going in um, in the hope that he'll do something. And it is more hope, unfortunately. And he, you know, he is capable and he, he may well do something, but it's can you risk that in that spell when they are going to come out all guns blazing, chucking themselves into tackles, trying to dominate that midfield. And if you lose it early, it's very tough to get it back. I get that, yeah. For me, there's two things. I would say, we talk about the game being too frenetic for Nico. That was a fear for last night. Um, it's going to be quicker, much, though. It's going to be quicker on Saturday. It's going to be quicker, yeah, but there's probably going to be more space to play in than he had last night. And Do you think... I, I think there'll be a bit more space, yeah. I mean, I know that Scott Brown would be nipping his heels constantly, but, you know, Celtic will open up a bit more and push out a bit more. There'll be more space to find passes in behind. There'll be, you know, just just a little bit more. Um, the problem, as we say with Nico, is that, you know, his, his brain's much quicker than his legs. So, you know, he, think, he still thinks he can skin players at times and gets caught on it or something like that. Um, it's his influence I'm wondering about, you know, after watching him last night and seeing how much he was able to get out of other people and, and, and kind of get in the face of the Motherwell players I get that he has his flaws he'll give the ball away at times and, and, and that sort of thing I just I wonder about him I also wonder in terms of Pena for me in the first game against him this season when he was on the park he was just you know it's quite clear he was just simply told to sit Scott Brown um, and he gave him some issues I don't think I think the game was rather even until we until we conceded to be honest um, and as you say, then they, they sort of ran away with it. But we took Penny off the park, and Brown absolutely bossed it after that. And um, we didn't have anybody to worry about after mm. that. Uh, Penny didn't play well overall, but he's, you know he, he still got a bit to help the team. You know with that battle, I'm just not sure. 
to me, you're very reliant then on Windass, Candace in the wide areas. And I just feel as though if we've got that midfield free, Morelos is going to be very isolated up front and it's going to be difficult to win a midfield battle if we can't hold the ball a bit better, you know? Um, I, I don't know. It's probably the way most would go. I, I suspect it's the way we will go, actually. I'll be surprised if that's not the team, you know, the way that you're, you're speaking about it there. But um, I'm just not convinced that there's not a place for somebody like Cranshaw, um, despite, you know, his last game at Parkhead not going very well for him. I just think that, you know, his attitude and his experience might might be something that would do us a bit better than, than the energy of um, and, and sort of industriousness of Burjonis, for example. I'm not saying he doesn't have a part to play at some point. I just don't think it's at the start. And yeah. uh, similar to Pena, the, that argument, I think that there could be roles for both of those guys. But um, I think that if you go out and they do get steamrolled in midfield early doors and we lose an early goal, then pretty much all game plans are out the window at that stage um, and then it becomes a, a bit of a scrap for us and, and I don't know it's tough because we've seen better Rangers teams in this go and face confident Celtic sides and unfortunately they haven't quite you know they, they maybe defended for 70-80 minutes then lost the sucker punch goal and there is that feeling of well, what was the point we should have had a go so I get that it's a, it's a tough one because it's a game that means so much to the fans and you know if we were to get some sort of result here the, the pressure that's the, the the first team squad are under would alleviate certainly to the to the next match and that needs to be the incentive for them that they've got the chance to if you like buy themselves an awful lot of goodwill here that's been squandered in the last few weeks both by them and the board and that yeah. that that would be why I'd be approaching it of what an opportunity you've got lads you know you couldn't have asked for a better chance you know this is your chance of of uh, uh, you know winning the lottery kind of thing if you can pull off a really good result here then it changes your whole seat for some of you it changes your whole Ibrox career um, it's going to be tough there's no point we, we're, you know, we, we'll staunch it right up here like, don't get me wrong um, uh, Alex and I are, are certainly no strangers to that and, and both of us are probably in the blindly optimistic um, category of support or, but I think that we also need to be realistic and for us to sit here and say oh we're going to go here do this win 3-0 is, is nonsense and we don't want to ever kind of stand here and, and fib to our supporters and if we get really badly cuffed the next bot is just a Thornley Boy CD on repeat um, <laughs> yeah you know, we'll just, we'll just, just about, do that um, about as good as it would get yeah uh, it will um, be well, well time will tell with that um, we will be back then on the flagship show we'll be back not on Monday because again it's it's a holiday but we'll be back on Tuesday with uh, the the next flagship show in which we'll discuss everything that happened at Mordor on Saturday and we're, we'll be hopefully getting the three points in the interim if you want to hear more from us then you can get it just go to patreon.com that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash heart and hand and there's daily content going up if you don't like my voice that's grand because there's loads of stuff that I'm not even on and uh, we're, we're starting to get a much fuller fuller repertoire so first of all I'd like to just thank my guest today Mr Alex Staff thanks David always a pleasure cheers again wish all of you listeners a very very happy uh, very very happy next few days I hope our team delivers for us on Saturday and have a great new year when it comes speak to you soon bye Podcast Network. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.